0: Call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Street Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune into to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, a.m. 1340. Hi, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. If you'd like to play golf... Magnolia Valley Golf Club is offering some specials this week. Give them a call up there at 727-847-2342. They have a 9-hole executive course and they have an 18-hole par 72. And they've got great food on the 19th hole. So call my friend Pete at 727-847-2342. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars Wednesdays at 7 p.m.
1: In the studios of Paris. And on the French Riviera. One of the most impressive casts ever assembled has been brought together by MGM and director Peter Glenville for the filming of Graham Greene's novel The Comedian Richard Burton Elizabeth Taylor. Alex Guinness, Peter Ustinov, Paul Ford, and Lillian Gish. The Comedians. The Comedians. An exciting concept in production, brilliant in its execution, soon to be released throughout the world.
0: This is the real deal. This is live. You are tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I wasn't even paying attention, guys. Hey, just in case you uh, tuned in, be sure and go to your uh, computer real quick. Slip on the Internet. Go to Tantalk1340.com. That's Tantalk1340.com. And flip your computer on, and you can see us live if you're not in the local Tampa Bay area, because we are live here. It's a real live radio show. And, uh, I have a special guest with me this evening. And, of course, actually, we have two guests this evening. I got one sitting with me, and, then of course, I have another call in, as usual. And we're going to play a couple clips and some music. So, everybody, sit tight. Well, I guess, uh, the, our, uh, the, uh, our board up has to make a couple adjustments real quick. So, what I'll do in the meantime, I'm going to introduce our first guest. Uh, my first guest, let me tell you a little bit about him. This guy's been around racing since the golden age of midget racing. Okay. Now, I know a lot of you guys are, uh, sprint car, midget car, uh, midget racing fans. Um that's a little bit new to me. I'm kind of getting into that stuff now a little bit. But anyway, this gentleman is also a writer. He's a track announcer. He's got his own radio show. He's been inducted to the Living Legends Racing Hall of Fame. He's still active in uh, marketing automotive products. And he actually has his own radio show on Monday nights down in the store Florida. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome the infamous Bill Clarence to my radio show. Bill,
2: how you doing? I thank you very much, Robert. And I guess "infamous" is a correct word.
0: Infamous is okay. More,
2: more apropos than uh, something else might be.
0: Okay. But, you know what? Uh, I love having a guest sitting in with the show with sitting in the show with me. So that's great. So thanks for coming on board. I like it. It's good.
2: Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity, and anything I can contribute or anything. Uh, uh, People might want to know, I'd be happy to tell
0: you. Okay. Well tell us a little bit about your background. You're a uh, you're an old time vintage racer. I mean that's kinda cool. I, I love it. I love it when we get guys like you that are still around and can tell us stories of what it was like back in the day when racing was racing and men were men, right? Well
2: <laughs> we we had it a little bit different than it is today. First of all, it was a lot more laid back, a lot more relaxed. The business aspect of racing was totally different. It wasn't a business per se. If you're familiar with any kind of major league racing today, it's it's money. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. You can. This is probably the only sport in the world that you can buy your way into. Oh really? Uh, well, I've seen some pretty bad race drivers running around Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Okay. I don't want to mention names. Okay. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I might not be able to buy one of their TVs. But, <laughs> okay. Uh, in any event. Uh, yeah, I, I've always felt that way. Uh, I had a son that was an excellent race driver. Uh, he just wouldn't back off for anything. If he couldn't get through the turn properly, why he'd, he'd just keep racing and, and driving it until he got through the turn. And uh, he was excellent, but we didn't have the money to uh, keep him going. We didn't have the money to give him the proper type of car. So he finally just hung it up. But but that means that he it was not going to be a true racer anyway. But mm. nonetheless, he had the ability and it, here again, it's a sport that demands a lot of money today. Now, in the old days, the the big difference between the racing of then and now is that w- when I first began, you could go in and uh, you'd find a car owner that built his race car. Mm-hmm. And each uh, each car owner in those days used to be there used to be car owners that built maybe several race cars, and they became known for building cars. So eventually, what happened was. Uh, you could start to buy a car altogether with everything, the parts and so forth. But it was the, r- the real era uh, going back far was everybody built their own car, maintained their own car, got the drivers and so forth. But w- what happened, we transmissioned, and these transitioned rather, <clears throat> and this would be taking place from 1947 when I started. Uh, and incidentally, I did fib about my age.
0: Okay, I know you're 25
2: yeah I, well i was only 18 when i started oh, okay <laughs> so, but it's it's the fact is they stopped me from coming in the gate one night and uh, the guy said somebody said you're not 21 i said oh charlie don't no, wait a minute and i whipped out this phony birth certificate that i had created and uh oh he said okay all he had to do was ask me for my driver's license and i'd have been cooked
0: at least you have a birth
2: certificate well, okay we
0: won't go there that's all yeah, i'm gonna say <laughs> well yes,
2: okay. understood fully okay um el presidente no 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 no, no, no. all right go on. let's go back to racing <laughs> back to that's another show okay uh so uh, what it was then is you went in you, you carried your little crash helmet around and you you asked for a ride uh, i work for a gentleman by the name of roscoe pappy huff who had five midgets and he used to haul them around on a big double deck trailer and I started working for him in the winter of 46, 47.
0: Now, this is up in New York, New Jersey This area. is New
2: Jersey. Okay. Patterson, New Jersey, actually. It was the town that Pappy... That was the garage... The, all the garages for... At least all... Many of the garages for midget drivers at the... At the right after World War II were centered in patterson new jersey mm-hmm. it was called gasoline alley and there were rows of garages and in most of the garages they'd, they'd be uh midget race cars and uh, the famous uh indy car driver ted horn had a, a whole end of gasoline alley for machine shops and things of that nature and uh, it was it was just a great esprit de corps uh, great spirit we would hang out in a gin mill called gasoline alley tavern by some strange coincidence uh, coincidence and uh <laughs> You got to know the drivers and uh, it it was really fun.
0: And there was a sense of camaraderie, wasn't there?
2: Right. And when I was a kid in the 30s, I used to go to watch races, particularly at Nutley Villadrome, and that was the most exciting racing I've ever seen in my life. The lap times were about five or six seconds, believe it or not. It was a bicycle racing track, and you couldn't walk up the track. They used to have a ladder when they had a problem. They needed to repair it. They'd put this ladder up against the track and piece in new wood. It was a villadrome, an actual uh, villadrome. Oh, really? Uh, And bicycles, it was built for bicycle. Was it a wood surface? Wood surface. Oh, okay. And we ran midgets on that. We didn't. I never got on that track. And uh, going as a kid, you know, I just said to my dad, I said, Daddy, that's what I want to do when I grow up. And he said, sure. He patted me on the top of the head. (laughs) Yeah, sure, kid. Anytime you do, I'll kill you. (laughs) But anyway, it it so happened that I had a friend that knew Pappy Huff. And uh, one thing led to another. And my grandmother lived right around the corner from Gasoline Alley in Patterson. So I was over there a lot. And and I just, I I fitted in and uh, got a job as a mechanic. Now, that was a joke of the century. Me as a mechanic was a joke. The fact is, Pappy gave me a nickname. What was it? Uh, it was lightning. 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 Okay. And it had nothing to do with race cars. Pappy used to take. Uh, uh, they had a wood stove, and they would uh, take some gasoline, and they would shift it. He would shift it in his hands, and the gasoline would go on, and there would be nothing left. He, he had. He come back. He'd just help the fire, and he said to me, he "says Billy, says go, go get that fire moving up a little more." So I go up, and I'm trying to do the Pappy shuffle. But the only problem was that the gasoline did not stop. It came back right from the fire and started to w- go right through the garage. Uh-oh. And he said, I never saw somebody move so fast in my life. So that's why I, I get Lightning. Lightning.
0: Okay, now you were involved in, what, one of the first races, the NASCAR races at Linden Airport. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Okay, we had a sports car club that a couple of us got started back in 1954. And it was called SCOTA, Sports Car Owners and Drivers Association. And... Um, one of my midget promoters, Ed Otto, was a Vice President of NASCAR and he asked if I could bring some sports cars over to Linden Airport that the NASCAR guys wanted to run a road race and foreign versus American cars. It was classified as a Sprint Cup race would be today. Okay. Same points, same drivers, and so forth. But with sports cars. But with sports cars and the Hudsons and the Fords, it was a combination. Okay, that was that picture you showed me there. Okay, I got you. uh, The Linden Airport is considered the first NASCAR road race in history. 1954, Linden, New Jersey. Uh, It was about a two-mile airport circuit, and uh, it was quite quick. And uh, the thing was that a Jaguar won it. So when people say that Toyota the first foreign car to come into racing, NASCAR racing, forget about it. They had Jaguars, Jaguars Heelys, all kinds of sporty cars.
0: Well, you were driving a Jaguar, too, that year, yeah, right?
2: Yeah, I, I ran a Jaguar, and uh, I did finish fourth in that race. I was pretty proud of it. A midget driver by the name of Al Keller, who was a good buddy of mine, he won the race, and he made a big prize money, a thousand bucks to win. Hmm. And... uh that was big money in those days so how much was it a thousand dollars thousand dollars well figure 10 grand's worth today okay so that that was the first race uh, you a fellow by the name of joe eubanks i believe it was finished second buck baker was third and, buck
0: baker's a nascar driver yeah
2: okay and, yeah buck baker and uh, buddy's father and uh, herb thomas was in the race rathman was in the race lee petty was in the race uh, a lot of uh, Hirsch McGriff, uh, a lot of well-known race drivers. Now,
0: were they all driving NASCARs, or were they driving some they of the sports cars? Uh, too? Hirsch
2: McGriff was in the sporty cars. He had a Jaguar. He didn't last too long, but uh, he was making an effort. And uh, the regular stars of NASCAR were all there. The initial stars, the big guys. Wow, that's great. And you were there. Yeah, and, and you were there. S- yeah, yeah, you were there. You're a pioneer. Well, a lot of people call me, and they want to know about that race. They want to know the story about it, and how this, that, and the other thing. And uh, I've given a lot of interviews in regard to it. And uh, it's just wonderful to have experienced all that.
0: Plus, it's a real piece of history.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I found that out. I never realized it for years and years and years. And all of a sudden, bingo. And that picture that I showed you was, I just found in the archives of NASCAR. They told me there was a couple of pictures of that race. I said, I'd love to see him. They said, yeah, somebody in the number two car. I said, that's me. Wow. So, so I go and over. that was a
0: 120
2: uh, Roadster? 120 Jag, what, yeah. 120, 120 Roadster. roadster. No, I think it was a 1950 model. Yeah. The year was 54. Cost me 900 bucks, that car. Jeez. Hey,
0: we got our first song queued up there, buddy? Yeah, we got a song. We got to go to a song. Yeah, let's do that. That's for our our second is for the evening. So we got to get we got to get her all ready and primed because she's a big Brooks and Dunn fan too. Oops, I slipped. I gave Cadillac,
1: her. <laughs> Blackjack, get
0: down, Boot scoot, boogie. Boot scoot, boogie. No, it was the other song, but that's okay. We'll let this one slide.
1: It's where all the cowboy folk go. The boots do I got a good job. I work hard for my money. When it's quitting time, I hit the door running. I fire up my pickup truck and let the horses.
0: Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Grabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, and nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Barn Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Barn Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Barn Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. Okay, we're back live in the studios here in downtown Clearwater. This is Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I got a special guest sitting in with me, Bill. Bill, you still there, right? i was here. Okay, he's here. he's here. He's the racing legend, sprint car racer. We were talking a few minutes ago about some of the cool stuff.
2: So uh, what did you do you after got that? Corrected midgets.
0: Midgets. What did I say? Midgets. Sprint cars. Okay. Sprint. Anyway. I I had a couple race car guys on. I get correct because sprint cars. Yeah, midgets. So many different oh, kinds I,
2: of race cars right now. You don't know what. I I can't even keep keep up with them so then uh, uh, tell us
0: a little bit about your little radio show that you do what do you talk about in there is that nascar stuff
2: well we did have a full hour show and uh that recently and it's suffering like a lot of other radio situations with sponsorships so, okay uh we've cut back now and i just do about 15 minutes on a, t- a sports car show a sports car yeah total sports show that has everything in it baseball football hockey etc and uh, so we do our little NASCAR part of it, primarily NASCAR, but okay. we cover indie cars also. And uh, one of the guys is a pro football player, ex-pro football player, uh, Dennis Clark, and he loves road racing. So Super. We, he always talks about road racing. Okay, he's like me then.
0: Okay, hey, what else we got going on here? Oh, yeah, a couple of, couple of upna- updates real quick. You got the Charlotte Auto Fair going on this weekend. That's up in Charlotte. That's a huge three-day event. Okay, you got the Bear Jackson. It's going on down in... Uh, I guess it's Fort Lauderdale for the big auction going on down there, and then a big show, which is a really good show. We had our a guest on a couple, uh, about a month and a half ago, Steve Algrim. and he's a big, uh, he's heavily involved in this show, and it's called the uh, Celebration Exotic Car Festival, and it takes place at Celebration right there off 192 in Kissimmee, which is right across from Disney World or right down the street from Disney World. It's a three-day event. They've got the Ferrari Challenge races. They've got vintage races going on. they got this huge car show. It's a huge charity event. So if you get a chance, that's this weekend at Celebration in Orlando. It's called the Celebration Exotic Car Festival. And it's the 8th annual, okay? And then also down here at Bay Pines this weekend, okay, Gearhead's Performance is putting on the Bay Pines, uh, I guess it's another um, charity show. and it's, uh, So it's the Bay Pines um, VA hospital show. I'll get that straight one of these days. Hey, guys, it's live radio, so I can screw up. But at any rate, all right, we have those. we got that other song fired up yet? What do we got? We got the song, but uh, didn't you see I typed Jim from Maximum Motoring had a question for your guest. Jim? Jim. Oh, okay, well, if Jim's,
3: real quickly, is he on the
0: line real quick? He's on the line. All right, let Jim come hey, on real quick.
3: I'm on the line. How you doing, Robert? Hey, buddy, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing good. I'm doing good.
0: You got a question for our guest, Bill, tonight?
3: Uh, well, you know what? I uh, actually, this was uh, selfless self promotion. Is really uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the, re- the reason I'm calling, uh, <laughs> and I was thrown off because there was nothing but the boot scoot boogie, and I'm watching your lips move, and on the on the internet, and I'm like, what what happened to him?
0: No, I'm not singing.
3: Oh, okay. Well, that, right. that's good. Um, no, I Believe it or not, this is the this is. I, although I've listened to your show uh, on my radio in my car, this is the first time I've got a chance to see you, uh, you live. Know, live and in living <laughs> color on the uh, on the internet. My so. peacock
0: tails aren't showing, are they? I don't know. You know? No, 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 oh, okay. no. You're good. You're okay. good. <laughs>
3: um, but uh, I wanted to invite you down. Um, I am uh, now the new proprietor of uh, Classic Corvettes and Collectibles up in Tarpon Springs.
0: Get out of here! You took it over from. Uh, uh, from what's name? From Al. Did you really?
3: Yes, sir. I'm sitting here right now, and in fact, uh, we're going to be uh, we're building a studio here, and we're going to be doing car shows, uh, um, uh, car radio shows out of uh, out of the showroom here. And I also took over the uh, restoration facility, and. Uh, so you got to come up and uh, come say hi, man. Well, hey, you know what?
0: I might need a job, too. You never know. I'm qualified.
3: Well, you know what? That's <laughs> the other reason that we need to chat. You're, okay. Uh, you, you are way better at getting sponsors than Stu is, I'll tell you. That.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Thanks. So go, go ahead. Real quick, plug your place now. What's the name of it?
3: Yeah, it's uh, Classic Corvettes and Collectibles. Uh, we're right on uh, Alternate 19 in Tarpon Springs. The uh, It's a 150-car showroom that has about 15 cars in it right now uh but we are uh you know we're building it we're looking for consignment cars and uh you know what i think there's a a great opportunity robert for you and i to do some business together
0: sounds good i'll give you a call i got another guest on the line but thanks all for right. calling and we'll uh we'll definitely come and get a hold of it and be sure to tune in to maximum motoring thursdays at 3 p.m right
3: you got it thanks for the plug
0: all right see you buddy we got our guest yet she on hold well, you know what? Let's go ahead and play that. We'll have to shorten that one because uh, then we got to go...
1: That's for me, yeah, yeah. Shim shim shimmy, wanna high and shout? I'm out to catch you, baby. There's no doubt. I saw you standing against the wall. I whistled and I gave my all.
2: To do it, do I don't
0: think up something. Come on. Hey, listeners. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey, we're live, and we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, we got the other little clip queued up here, too, uh, Bill? Somewhere, don't we? <laughs> okay, well, anyway. This is Judy. This is Judy. No, 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 <laughs> no. Anyway, hey, what the other one, the other clip from uh, the movie. We got that one queued up? That's the one we played at the beginning of your show, right? No, 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 no. The one from Cannonball. The one on my thing. Oh, can- Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and play that one real quick. There you go. I know. Hey, you know what? I, I My son and I came up with a really cool analogy the other day. And since everybody knows that I'm kind of into race cars and I drive a little bit, mainly vintage cars and stuff like that, the best analogy is, is I'm actually sitting in the driver's seat when I'm here at the studio, and my microphone is my steering wheel. So. We got it coming on? All right, let's do that. Let's fire it up. Let's drive, baby.
4: I'm really sorry about that um, little lapse, officer. Normally, I drive right around the speed limit.
1: We all make mistakes, miss. But 160? That's a little more than a lapse. the hell is going on here everybody's driving like maniacs i don't know officer let me see your driver's license please uh, what the hell i can't penalize nice girls like you for a little indiscretion uh with the whole road packed with speed crazy lunatics <laughs> Here. You girls have a nice trip. Drive carefully and uh, take it easy. Thank and you. <laughs> come back and see us next year. Bye. Take care. Keep it in the road. <laughs>
4: Driver's license tucked down in there somewhere, do you?
1: Yes, officer. Uh-huh. Goober never does miss a Kerry Grant movie. He studies him. <laughs> he what? He studies him on account of he takes off real good on Kerry Grant. Do you ever hear him take off on Kerry Grant? Uh, no, Gomer. Goober, do Kerry Grant for Andy. Oh. Come on, he ain't never heard you. Oh, Gomer. Come on, oh, do it. You Gomer. do it. Listen, Gomer, if he don't want to, I'll do it. Prattle <laughs> boy. Wait a minute, Andy. Close your eyes. What? Close your eyes. <laughs> Listen to this. He's going to take off on Kerry Grant. Go, goo. Judy, 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 Judy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're live. We're back. Okay, uh,. I would like to take the opportunity right now to, uh, of course, we always play these clips. I mean, but anyway, this is, this is kind of funny. We got kind of goofed off a little bit. We got sidetracked a little bit, but I want to take time now to introduce our next guest. Okay. Now, most of the time I've always had guys on this show. And we've always talked about cars and we've always had uh, racers on and, and some pretty, pretty, pretty influential people over the past, uh, past year or so. But tonight, uh, we've changed gears a little bit. I actually have the uh, distinction or this lady that I'm going about to introduce has the distinction of being the first lady to be on our show and uh she's got a quite an interesting past she used to work for uh oh a really neat guy by the name of Roger Penske she worked for uh Bud Moore she worked uh for um let's see BMW she worked she currently does stuff for Schumacher Racing she worked for Callaway she's done some work for Mattel she's done some work with uh Dunlop She's done some, uh, vintage racing. She's been involved with the Kelly Challenge races back in the 70s. Uh, she's done numerous vintage racing events around the country on the eastern seaboard. Uh, she's basically a, a all-around woman that's been kind of involved with racing and race cars and racing organizations for quite some time. And, uh, very interesting person. I had the opportunity of meeting her at um, at Amelia Island here a few weeks ago. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome Miss Judy Stropis. Judy, Judy,
4: Judy, Judy,
0: <laughs> to the show. Judy, are you there?
4: I am there. How are you?
0: Pretty good. How are you
2: doing?
4: I'm good. Nice to see Bill too.
2: Bill, Bill sitting there. Bill, say hi to Judy. Hi, Judy.
4: Hi, Bill.
2: <laughs> we'll we'll check with you in the near future.
4: Okay.
0: Real nice. quickly, though, Bill and I were talking about this earlier. We're trying to figure out. Uh, when did you guys exactly meet? How long you guys, How long have you guys known each other?
4: Oh, my God. It must be 40, 50 years.
2: <laughs> oh, no, Judy, you can't be over 40. <laughs> can't be I that am, long. have must, must be been like doing 20. this for a long time. Oh, my goodness. I just, I, I, I can't. It had to do with Donahue and Penske, obviously, that we first met, right?
4: Probably, yeah. I think yeah. you were in New Jersey, correct?
2: Right, right. I just left New Jersey six years ago to come to this beautiful state of Florida.
4: Oh, wonderful. So you're retired? No. No? I'm,
2: no, absolutely not. I'll give you a call, and t- we'll talk about it.
4: Okay. I'm retired. <laughs> you're
0: <laughs> retired. Oh. Well, so you're semi-retired, according to the bio I got on you. You're still active in uh, doing some PR work, aren't you?
4: Yes, but I'm technically retired. I'm just doing all the fun stuff. on on the party circuit, as I've been calling it.
0: Oh, okay. So tell us now, you know, Judy, you had a real – how did you get into racing? You had some really, really special talent back in the day that uh, made you – kind of got you seriously involved in racing and kind of created a demand for uh, the nature of your, uh, your talent. So tell, tell our listeners a little bit about that.
4: Well, uh, I was living in Long Island, and funny that uh, Bill was talking about the Jaguars. I learned to drive on a one hundred and twenty XK120 Jaguar mm-hmm. 1950 model, and uh, we joined a Queen's Sports Car Club with a boyfriend. And uh, the girls in the club were timing and scoring race cars on the weekend in Bridgehampton, Lime Rock, um can't think of another track. I think Bridgehampton, Lime Rock, Thompson, Connecticut. and uh, so how about they Marlboro? How Was
0: it up that way? Marlboro?
4: Marlborough is in Maryland. Oh,
0: it's in Maryland? Okay.
4: And um, so uh, they taught me how to time and score with a stopwatch and calculate, and uh, I found it to be fun and easy, and uh, I said, okay, uh, that's neat, so I would work with them at the races. But it turns out that it was more difficult than, than, than I made it appear. My certain ability in my brain or whatever made it very simple for me, and I was able to lap chart many, many cars, dozens and dozens of cars, in time every, car, every lap very accurately with one stopwatch with a subtraction method, which was originated by the SCCA Sports Car Club of America. I simply adapted it for use in the pits with uh, race teams. And uh, as the sport was growing during that period of time, I met the right people, and when they realized these were long-distance races, in particular Marlboro, Maryland, was a five-hour Trans Am race, I met the people there, uh, and I met the Ford people, and they said they needed some timing and scoring for the five-hour race on Sunday, and somebody suggested that I can do it, and I did it, and I did it perfectly. And at that time I was kind of tired of racing. <laughs> that was in 1967. I had done a lot already. And um, uh but they ended up calling me and saying come on to the next race and so I ended up working with uh the Bud Moore team, the Cougar team.
0: Oh really? That and, was Dan Gurney's cars.
4: Yeah. Well, they were Bud Moore's cars, Bud but Moore. Dan Gurney was one of the drivers. drivers. Okay. And um, uh and then I went to the Javelin team. They had called me because Uh, The uh, Kruger team had, they were forward-connected, and they had a group of people that they were uh, working with timing. So they went with them, and then the Javelin team picked me up, and then in the middle of that, Roger Penske walked up and said, why aren't you working for me? And as I, you know, dithered and blithered, I said, well, yeah, sure. So then (laughs) I did Can-Am and Trans-Am, and then it it took off. and, And then I retired pretty much from that when the computers came in because that was not my area of expertise. But I was the, uh, my abilities were prior to the computers. Uh, so it was very manual. And uh, I was able to provide the information quickly to the teams and uh, have it quite accurate. So that was, you know, but my PR business at the same time was also building. So everything was fine. And I just moved on and, and built a PR business. And here I am.
0: So because of these connections and because of the timing and scoring involvement that you had, and then you, your affiliation with, let's say, like Penske and Ford Motor Company and Bud Moore and people like that, so then you basically, did. Were you had you intended on getting into the PR, the public relations business, or was that something that kind of happened as a result of that and just out of accident?
4: No, they, they kind of happened uh, very independently of each other. When I got out of school, I started working at the public relations department at Western Electric, and then uh, I got into racing. Uh, and I started to do the newsletter at the local, the Queen Sports Car Club, and and then Carl Ludvigson, who's an author, a famous author, of world nationally known, internationally known, hired me to be his assistant, and I would write stories for him, and I would also handle the Chevrolet PR account for him. But then when he had a conflict of interest, becoming the East Coast editor of, I believe, Motor Trend magazine, he couldn't uh, represent Chevrolet any longer. And I ended up uh, taking that account, not away from him, it just sort of worked where I continued working on the account, and then it ended up being my client. And I had been with Chevrolet for 40 years, both uh. on the product side and then eventually on the racing side, because Chevrolet was not openly in racing at the time. And when they did openly come into racing, I was right there to be be used. My abilities were there because I've, I was already in racing. So.
0: So, as a public relations manager, I guess what exactly were some of the things that you had to do? I mean, what was let's say with Chevrolet, for example, what were uh, and in the racing division? Was it basically promoting the races, and then what all was involved?
4: No, I, my job was to promote Chevrolet.
0: Oh, promote Chevrolet. Okay.
4: Well, that's the, the Chevrolet is the client, and they had race teams that they supported, okay. Trans Am and in um, uh, IMSA at the time, which is American Le Mans Series right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had the GTPs, the Corvette GTPs, and right. so my job was to publicize the drivers, the race teams, and Chevrolet through television interviews, through radio, through uh, press releases, and uh, print media, national media, international media, uh, and that's what I continue doing uh, today. And I'm no longer with Don Schumacher Racing. I, Ended up with NHRA drag racing after years of being with sports car racing. Mm-hmm. Then I ended up with uh, at because Chevrolet introduced me to drag racing back in 1997, and the first team was Don Prudhomme's team.
0: Oh, really? Was it? Okay. Well, because
4: they were Chevrolet backed, and okay. so I remember walking up to uh, to Don Prudhomme and saying, "Well, um, I'm your Chevrolet PR person from now on." He thought I was just some sort of corporate executive, and he says, "Stand here." And it was testing in Phoenix for the top fuel cars, and I stood right behind them with uh, the, you know, the incredible power and the and the sound of the, of the eight thousand horsepower engines as they did a burnout and took off. And I had my he says put your fingers in your ears like you know I, I didn't know that <laughs> and um and uh, I put my fingers in my ears and, and a smile came upon my face when Larry Dixon took off because the rumble in your chest it's like unbelievable. And it just, it was my first experience at the starting line, and 10, 13 years later, I never went back to the starting line. It was not necessary. I've been there, done it. You know, it was it was—it uh, was quite an experience. Who
0: are some of the, uh, now, some of the uh, drivers that you did? Did you, did you do PR work for uh, Mark Donahue?
4: No, actually, when I worked for Roger Penske, I was the timer and scorer, but I never okay. did PR for that team.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, What was it like working for Roger Penske? And how did he get the name Captain? Do you know that by any chance?
4: You know, I don't remember that. I don't know if Bill remembers that.
0: Bill, do you know that? Uh,
2: Well, he's the commander, the controller, the boss, so he was referred to as the captain. Oh, okay. Captain of the ship, and everything went through him. Gotcha.
4: I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Donahue didn't come up with that, because that sounds like something he would have.
2: (laughs) He was a great guy. God, I I miss him so much. Yes. Uh, who are
0: some of the – so when you worked for, for Penske, uh, really, Penske Corporation hadn't been as, it wasn't nearly as big as it is today, obviously, and uh, so he was a small racing team, and he had just some other enterprises and stuff. What was he like to work for back then?
4: Oh, and, terrific. It was he, terrific. And what was great is that when we all started together, we were just all having fun. We get crazy and wild, you know, swimming pools and do crazy things after a race. It was so intense to run for a Trans Am championship that at the end of the, the the weekend, we would all be just totally r- crazy, ready to release all the intensity that we had just gone through. And that included everybody. That included Roger, Mark, the crew chiefs, the mechanics, everybody. We'd all get wild and crazy. and our, <laughs> we I remember we used to, we had a favorite drink, cold duck. I don't even know if they make that anymore. But we would have that in the winter circle and, And uh, we would just, you know, get a little, uh, little crazy at the end of the day. But it was awesome. But then when Roger started building his enterprises, and he would not, uh, he would have to fly away from the weekend. But before that, he was always involved with anything that we ever did, all the craziness. So, but then uh, as he grew uh, as a a team owner, he ended up having to leave, take the jet, and and, uh,
0: bigger and better things.
4: Bigger and better things, which was fine. We What's actually a... ended up traveling on the on the jet most of the time.
0: Oh, did you? Uh-huh. Now, you, you did I some... grew up
4: traveling on the Learjet. Isn't that neat?
0: On the Learjet? no, oh, no kidding. Back in the day, that was a big thing, I imagine. Big
4: thing. I was just a kid.
0: Wow. Now, you did some stuff with BMW, too, right?
4: Yes, I did some uh, PR. I also did some timing work for BMW, but I also handled the sports car racing PR program, uh, I think it was nineteen ninety. 1990... Five, from nineteen ninety five for about eight
0: years, nine years. Was Terry Borsheller driving one of the cars for those guys back then? When no. You no? Okay.
4: Yeah, it was Bill Auberlin. Um, I know David Donahue was one of the drivers.
0: Okay. Um, and what did you do for Mattel?
4: Borsed.
0: Oh Bors said? Okay, yeah, I met he was down there at um, at the St. Pete Grand Prix. I talked to him for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Or no, I take it back. It was a twelve hour sea ring, that's where he was. Um, Mattel's on your on your on your bio too. What exactly did you do for Mattel?
4: Did publicity PR for Mattel when they sponsored Jack Baldwin? Okay. In uh, one of Buzz McCall's cars, I think it was Buzz McCall's car.
0: Okay, that was Top Fuel too, wasn't it?
4: No, no, no. That's sports car racing. Oh, that's sports car racing, Trans Am racing. racing. Uh
0: huh. Oh, that's right. Okay, and then Callaway Competition. What'd you do for them?
4: Uh, again, publicity PR. Okay. And uh, we went to Le Mans. We ran in Le Mans, for twenty-four hours with them, and. I did some publicity, mainly overseas. We went to China, Zhuhai. We raced an endurance race in China, Zhuhai. Um, and Le with Boris said, was driving. I remember that.
0: Okay. Keith
4: Calloway was the uh, team owner. So.
0: And Dunlop, what'd you do for Dunlop?
4: I raced a Dunlop Monza, little killer bee, yellow and black.
0: Shiny oh. Monza, giant
4: stock, sponsored by Dunlop. Plus, oh. I did the PR for them while I was racing.
0: Okay. And then you did some racing in the Kelly American Challenge. What was that like?
4: Oh, that was interesting. That was when... Um, That's late and, 70s, right? I don't remember, probably. Something it like that. It was when they offered uh, a prize, prize money, extra prize money, if you were a woman. Ooh. Now, I resented that because I thought, how unfair for any man to try to enter the series and get more money. He couldn't do it. Without a sex change,
1: <laughs> so
4: I thought that was rather unfair. You can't just put a decal or wear a certain uh, outfit or or drink some special drink. You you so in a sense I resented it, but I also took advantage of it because then somebody came up and said, "Here, drive my car, and we'll make some extra money." So I ran. I only ran about two or three races doing that, and uh, it was fun. I didn't mind taking the money, but but uh, the underlying underlying. Uh, thought in my mind was, it just seemed wrong.
0: <laughs> okay. Now, when you when let's go back a few years. So back in the early sixties when you kind of got in, dro- involved in uh, driving SCCA events and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, how how many women? You know, and, and I know, I know it, and know at Amelia Island when they had, and that's where I first you know kind of saw you and everything is when they did the Ladies of Racing, uh, women in racing. And I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, seminar, and I enjoyed that. Of course, I'm going to try to get Deuce M- Denise McCluggage on eventually, and uh, Lynn St. James, and uh, um. Janet Guthrie, I want to get them on as well. But it's really interesting because I personally do not have a problem if there's a woman on the racetrack, a lady. I think it's kind of interesting, you know, because it's you know it just, you know, why not? And a lot of guys get chauvinistic about it. But back in the day, what was it like? I mean, did you run into a lot of, uh, you know, stereotyping and and yeah. uh, hazing and stuff like that in, in the early days? Even in the well, SCCA?
4: Yes, here's the, here's the issue. Eventually, now, when when I started racing... I was already well-known for the other work that I did, the timing and scoring. I mm-hmm. got quite a bit of publicity for myself. I didn't do it, but somebody else was hired to do that for the Penske team and for the other teams I worked with. So I was used uh, as a tool to publicize. So I was pretty well-known already in the business, and then I decided to go racing. Now, because I already had a name, I wanted to make sure I did it legitimately, and I went through driver's schools. The funny thing is, I took advantage. I, I had Al Holbert's race car. I had. I remember borrowing. Uh, I think Skip Barber's Nomex underwear, Bob Sharp's driving suit, or something, socks, and uh, uh, a trailer from a Ferrari dealer friend of mine. And I had a, a, a Suburban that I from Chevrolet that I could tow the car with. And I went through driver's school, and everything was fine. And then I started to run regionals, and everything was fine. And, and I had a great mechanic, Bill Mitchell, who who uh, put together. Uh, first, I raced a, um, a Volkswagen that Al Hobart's crew put together for me, and then eventually, Bill Mitchell built uh, the the Monza because I was representing Chevrolet, and Chevrolet thought it would be appropriate that I raced the Chevrolet instead of a Volkswagen. So, um, I ended up uh, racing. But what happened is that I had to learn to race as well. I mean, I wasn't—you don't just go out there and you're not instantly quick. I had to, so I had my issues and. Just learning to drive, and uh, the guys there, you know, they would start to resent me and get into all these issues. And then we had an issue, a mechanical issue with the car, where it was dying in the corners. The uh, the gas just wasn't getting to the carburetor or something. And But my crew said, stay and stay in. You're still running second or third in a national SCCA race where you get points to go to the runoff. So I stayed out there, and then they all got on my case, and it wasn't my driving, it was the car dying. So anyway, they annoyed me to the point where... I just got better and better and better, and then I ended up just blowing all their doors off whenever I could and was very happy once I did that. So.
0: Well, well, that's interesting. Good. Now, if you notice earlier in the show, I played uh, a little segment from the movie Cannonball, uh-huh. and this is a nice story because I, th- I thought I enjoyed it when you guys were talking about it up there. So why don't you, for, our, for the purposes of our listeners, tell us a little bit how you got involved in the Cannonball Run, the Sh- Sea to Shining Sea event.
4: Well, we were all, you know, we all grew up together, all the crazies, loonies, and people who wanted to do those kinds of things back in the 70s. We just all grew up together in a sport. Everybody who ran it, we, you know, we all knew each other. We all worked together. We all, and everybody said, well, this is like, a, you know, Brock Gates decided on this kind of a crazy concept in one year. I said, you know what, let me try to do that. So I got, Mark, on you got us some Goodyear tires for. Cadillac limousine. Bobby Rinsler, who was a Can Am team owner, he got us the, the Cadillac limousine. Uh, Roy Woods, who was a Trans Am racer, his friend Gary Magnus gave us a whole bunch of money, and we put his name on the side of the car, you know. Um, and uh, uh, so we we said, "Yep, off we go." So I called Anna May Mims. She was racing a Sprite at the time in National Racing, uh, and she was always in pink. She had uh, her motto was "Think Pink." So we made sure we dressed in pink. and then I uh, Brad Nemchek, whose wife was uh, who Brad was running in another car during that particular uh, cannonball. So he said, "Why don't I take his wife?" So we took her, and she had no real experience in doing this. so she uh, she came on and she was a little overexcited about it. so um, but we ended up taking off in the Cadillac limousine. We took the southern route while everyone else was taking the middle route because it was supposed to be snow and all of that, so we were going to have one leg up on everybody and go the southern route. And there were so many adventures and so many awful experiences. <laughs> <laughs> but but we, uh, eventually, and we kept this quiet for a long time, but um, uh, Peggy Nemchek fell asleep at the wheel in El Paso, and as I touched her to wake her slightly, she panicked and slammed on the brakes, and we rolled the Cadillac limousine. Donna Mae was in the back with a helmet on, <laughs> so she you know she just survived with minor injury, and then uh so we never made it to uh, California, but we kept it quiet for a while so but finally, when Brock gates uh, published his book, we each wrote a chapter, and i I still denied it and I didn't deny it, but I didn't talk about it in the book, but Donna May wrote the whole thing in her her uh, section, so it was out. Uh, most people knew it already, but it was
0: out. so the movie characters. Um in the cannonball run they were they loosely based on you guys at all? I mean, did you have any yeah. obviously you didn 't drive those cars but but well, we uh didn't drive but the, the characters Lamborghini,
4: but yeah, it was kind of i wouldn 't watch the movie for the longest time, but I saw it on an airplane one time, and i um decided to watch it and then you know by that time, I was kind of over it and so I was entertained, but I was amazed at how how many pieces of the story were were sort of mixed with into other people's stories.
2: Oh, really? We wrote
4: a, we wrote a story for Car and Driver back uh, after that event, and Brock took a lot of those stories and made the did the script from it from all those stories. But I, apparently, when um, when the uh, production company took the script, they they really revised it and they used different snippets in different people's stories. So it was interesting to watch, but it was funny. Because, uh, yeah, we were not in a Lamborghini, but we were three women, and and, uh, there were the funny stories, and the the one little piece that you uh, played was when um, Adrienne Barbeau was playing me, sort of loosely, and um, she she thought she would get away with, uh, you know, sort of pulling down her shirt a little bit for this cop that was coming up to her that second time, apparently, and it turned out that the cop was a woman. (laughs) So So
0: that really did happen.
4: No, it turns no. out, well, what happened, my story was that, I, that one policeman who was so incredibly nice stopped us, and I said in my story that I just fell in love because he was just adorable, <laughs> and even though we had our bright lights on him, we were wearing helmets inside the car, the car is painted with all kinds of decals on the side, you know, we, didn't, we certainly didn't look innocent, but he, he treated us so nicely and then took us back to the police uh, station where we took our little box of cash that we were carrying paid our uh fine and and then off we went until we got to the next county and
0: probably got stopped again <laughs> <laughs> wow hey judy you willing to come back on the show again and finish up some of these other cool stories because unfortunately Absolutely. we're running short on time um we got about a couple minutes left how many minutes we got left bill two minutes one minute two minute okay because it sounds like you got some great stories and real quickly you wrote it you're also in your bio you're an author so which book did you write you wrote a book here recently right
4: Oh, I didn't write one recently, but I wrote the, a book about timing and scoring. Okay. I was editor of some books. Uh, yeah, I've done that. Uh,
0: so you've got quite a resume. You've done quite a few things. And then what is You won the uh, Jim Chapman Award for Public Relations. What exactly is that? Real quick.
4: Well, it's an award given to motorsports professionals, PR people, uh, every year. Very selective because they don't give one every year unless there's someone deserving, and I did win it in uh, 2008. I was, given it, I was awarded it in 2009. For my work with uh, the Don Schumacher Racing Team in NHRA.
0: Okay. Now, do you have a website? I mean, do p- people no. want to get a hold of you? or Anything? Nothing. You just kind of live quietly and no, just. No, you un-
4: Google me. There's all kinds of stories, and you know, it's easy to reach me.
0: Okay. Well, Judy, I want to thank you for coming on the show. This show does go kind of quick, but uh, of course, we ran a little late too. But uh, I do apologize for that. But anyway, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. We've got uh, we've got your number. Bill's going to call you later. I'm going to call you later because we both have questions, but we don't want we want to ask them off air. So okay. again, thank you for coming on the show. Tell your friends you had a good time. And if you see Roger Penske at the big thing tomorrow night, well,
4: that's uh, next week, next that's Thursday.
0: Next week, okay. Tell him uh, just you know drop a just say hey, I was on this guy's show. Yeah, go to the show. It'll All right, be fun. Thanks,
4: Robert. Thanks, Bill. Okay, thank you, take Judy. care.
2: Bye-bye. Have a good one.
0: Bye-bye. Hey, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I have a really big legendary guest next week. So everybody, tune in next week, 7 o'clock, right here on the Talk Radio Network, AM 1340. In the meantime, everybody drive carefully, stay safe. Hey, it's open night, open mic night at Naughty Nancy's tonight, okay? 446-3717, open mic night at Naughty Nancy's. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. As most of you know, I'm in the car business, and often I need cars towed. Well, Kotakus Towing has all the trucks and equipment to meet your needs. Whether it's long distance, short distance, or just around the corner, they can get it done. Kotakus Towing, located at 1141 Court Street in Clearwater. Also, they have a full-service repair and body shop to meet all your automotive needs. So give my friends Lefty and Joey a call... At Kotakas Towing, at 727-447-1952. And be sure to mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you might get a discount. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'd like to tell you about Naughty Nancy. No, this isn't a story about a bad girl. This is a truth about a great place to eat and hang out. Naughty Nancy's Food Shack, located at 700 Eldridge Street in the downtown Clearwater area, is a quaint little place nestled under some huge oak trees serving great food and drink and a wonderful, friendly atmosphere. That's Naughty Nancy's, 727-446-3717. They have 10 daily specials as well as many different styles of cooking from Cajun, New England, Country Gourmet, and even short order. prepared just the way you want it. So check out this groovy little dewdrop drop-in right on the trail. So jog up to our front door, ride right up on your bicycle, drive up in your car, or pull up on your motorcycle. And visit my friend Nancy and place your order. That's Naughty Nancy's, 727-446-3717. Hey, mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars and you might get a free drink.